0: Quiet, please. In exactly 15 seconds, we'll be on the air. This is the PowerShell Podcast. PowerShell Podcast. Ready, set,
1: and begin. It's all about PowerShell and the PowerShell community. And now, here's your hosts, Jordan Hammond
0: and Andrew Plow. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the PowerShell Podcast. Today, we have a special guest, Mike Kanakos. Did I pronounce your last name right? I realized yeah. I'd never heard it, and I was guessing. You got it exactly right. Nailed it. All right. And uh, we're here with uh, Andrew. Hello. Hello. Uh, so this is the, the fourth one. It's funny. We started this podcast talking about how much we love the community, and we're not even live yet, and we already have a whole bunch of the community that's interested in what we're going on and people that want to join. It's They're, they're proving us right, and we're not even live. It's fantastic.
1: <laughs> yep. It's it's funny, they're reaffirming the messages that we're saying before the podcast are even live about how welcoming and warming the community is, and it's awesome.
0: Yeah, that's why it's worth shouting out. I think this is still the best community out there, no matter what you're talking about. I love it.
1: Yeah, and as far as community is concerned, I think that we have a pretty top dog of the PowerShell community here.
0: <laughs> I did look at his MVP page. Uh, he has more done in the three months
2: than I've gotten in three years. <laughs> hey, everyone. Thanks for having me. Um, I just like to do stuff and share, but you know, uh, we, we were talking about a little bit about this early on, um, you know, I've been a sys of some sort or an AD admin for better than 15 years. So that's a lot of Google searches, right? So, uh, at some point it just felt like it was time for me to kind of make some content that can help someone else. I got more than enough from everyone else. I mean, honestly, my blog just started out as like, I use Evernote. And I would have a bunch of notes that I have for myself. I just basically take that and put it on a blog for myself. And then it turns out all the people have the same things that are interested. And so and that, and it goes from there.
0: Yeah. You're never sure what obscure thing or thing that you've been focusing on randomly has just a huge help for anyone out there. I'm always surprised at the things that I do just for fun that seem to
2: uh, resonate. Yeah. Yeah, Definitely. Definitely. I mean, my focus is mostly Active Directory. That's what I've been doing for a while. Um, and it feels like that's a dying beast with uh, Azure AD. But um, this, this, but the thing about automation in general that I find interesting is you sort of either get it or you don't. And you take it for granted when you talk to a community of people that get it and you think everybody does it. But there's quite a few people that are intimidated and just putting out some bait. I mean, the... I try to stick to the one-on-one and the intermediate content. I think there's a lot of guys in the community that are a lot more advanced than I am in their knowledge and try to stick to the, the bigger stuff. But, man, my most popular article on my blog for the last four years is Syntax for get user. Um, I get 20,000 hits a year on that one article. H- Having to call
0: out uh,
2: properties past
0: the first eight or so is definitely different than most PowerShell.
2: Yeah, yeah. So... Um, but you're 100% right. You know, it's it's amazing what people find useful. And um, we've all been on the internet searching for that little nugget of gold to try to solve that weird issue that I'm having that no one's ever seen before. Right?
1: Yep. I know all about that.
2: Yeah. yeah.
0: It's it's, it's weird. Every uh, environment's extremely unique, but we all hit the same issues in one way or another. It might not look the same, but the, yep. the fix is out there. I love it. So, yeah. I mean, as far as looking through... All the things you've done, you have your, your website, the rtpsug.com, and that's a user group. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had the name here, and I've, I've already lost it here. It's Research Triangle PowerShell User Group.
2: Yeah, so I, I run a user group along with uh, Phil Bossman. Phil actually started, well, he took over the group from the first leader a while ago, and then I went to the, my first PowerShell Summit in 2018, and I came back, and I was like, hey, guys, I think I can get some of these guys to talk for us. Would you mind if I help? And then I just started helping from there. So it's Phil and I. I publish and tweet more of the stuff than Phil does. So people usually associate me as like the leader of the group. But really, it's a cooperative between four of us. Myself, Phil, and Kevin Locks, and um, Jeremy Brown. And the four of us just run it and try to find stuff that's interesting for people. Um, I have a website, <coughs> networkadmin.com. <coughs> um, excuse me, networkadmin. It's just networkadm.in. And then I do some stuff with PowerShell.org and occasionally I, I do some speaking and stuff like that. Although the speaking is probably the hardest thing for me because it's just so much prep.
0: Yeah, it's the uh, last couple of years I thought I want to apply to try to speak at the summit and I've, I've never been able to pull the trigger.
2: I did it. <clears throat> I did it in 2019 and I'm still surprised that I did it. Um, I'm helping organize the event this year with James Petty. And we'll probably have like a uh, backup presentations ready to go in case something happens with a speaker or something like that. But um, I did it once and I'm glad I got it done, but it's, you know, it's once you get kind of used to the feeling of speaking, it's, I think it's kind of fun. And um, it's the same thing with the blog writing. You know, it's just the thing that I find the most interesting about the community is <clears throat> nobody wants to take credit. They don't want to say the reasons everybody wants to be so altruistic, but um, you know, I definitely have motivation for doing this stuff. I want to get farther in my career. I want to have opportunities come up to me. I want to be able to prove to my manager that I'm worth a certain pay grade and stuff like that. So putting your knowledge down on a, on a blog website and, and doing things like that and sharing and being a mentor just makes you stand out. Cause believe it or not, there's not a lot of people that are willing to take those roles. And it's really just saying, Hey, you know, I got this thing check it out look what i did let me show you how you can use the same thing and i find people really appreciate that when it's not in you know like a competitive environment you know just hey i just want to share this info with you I thought it might be useful
0: i think andrews given a uh, one of the talks this year at the summit
1: yeah
2: i'm speaking That's on monday of the summit monday. this
1: year
0: uh, what topic are you doing
1: i'm doing a what is it? What's the topic? I can't remember what the, the tagline that's is. But it's like "mini to make light work." Uh, how to empower your coworkers to support and maintain your PowerShell or your code or your projects or something like that. Cool. Yeah, it's speaking of like the experiences I've had with like getting other people to write code for me, um, and also just like how you kind of get buy-in from a team at an organization because I've had a couple of experiences with that at a couple of places now. Um, just and also some cool stuff with like. How you can give them some tooling to, like, templating and stuff like that, to make it so they can create modules really easy without needing to be a module expert or know or ever have done it before, that kind of thing.
0: Yeah. I think it's becoming less rare where you have a sole PowerShell person in the office and everyone else just thinks it's magic. I think it's more the, the community affected within your office is becoming more common, or or maybe that's just my current job. I'm
2: sorry, I keep <clears throat> on, uh, talking over you there, Mike. No, it's. I think it's um, yeah, it's probably somewhere in the middle because. There are jobs, probably like Andrew's job, that are very code and developer-focused. Then there's jobs for people that have like desktop admin, help desk support, general admin. With those guys, like myself, I am not the youngest guy in the world in this field. Um, I grew up in a GUI interface, and I didn't have... programming background so i mean i've learned and i've i've gone that way but there's plenty of guys that are comfortable and there's nothing wrong with using a gui you know but um trying to think about automation first isn't always a default in a lot of teams so there is usually i do find that you're right at this point powershell is ubiquitous enough that most people have some knowledge or experience but there's always like uh, I can do this, but when I get, when I really need to do something tough, I have to go to that guy. That guy kind of bails me out. There's still a lot of that I see, but that's company to company, team to team, I think.
1: Now, I know we mentioned about like fear of sharing, but if I recall back to my early days of PowerShell, I was a little concerned of like what people would think of my code back then. It's been a while since I've kind of had a lot of those fears, but I remember being pretty early on, like I would have been a little afraid to show other people my code.
2: Well, I mean, it's no different now. I mean, I I pu- publish blog posts and I get guys that comment like, "Why did you do this?" or "What?" It, so, um, the thing is, learning to write code is a journey, right? You're never finished, I guess. There's never you never wake up and go to work and be like, "I know everything I need to know. I can just do it," right? There's always different ways, and the languages languages are always deep. Um, Jeffrey Snover says that you know when they released. PowerShell version 1, people know like 10% of what was in that version today and we're on PowerShell 7, right? So um, there's always opportunities to explore and things to learn. And so that means there's always ways to usually optimize your code. And I mean, I am a, a, I'm a one-liner admin when I write my codes, right? I write one line and then I build on it and I build on it. And then what ends up happening is you get enough to write a script and then you look at it and you're like, all right, now that I have all this, I got to go back and like make this a little bit more efficient and I gotta put some some comments in here and some logging and I gotta handle my output. So it's definitely, I don't maybe some people sit down and start fresh from a script from line one and they have the bigger picture in mind. But I usually like, okay, I figured out how to do something. It's repeatable now. Let me try to make that reusable. And then from there it's get make it get better.
1: Nice. That seems like a pretty useful workflow, especially if you're having to solve problems for your regular job and you're not just a dedicated tool writer, right? It's very cool that you can solve a problem using PowerShell and then turn it into a reusable tool for next time.
2: Yeah, definitely for sure. Um, But there is, I still think there is a lot of knowledge that people struggle with, like making tools reusable. People, I think, are very comfortable with making a script. I can run the script, maybe even get some input. But I still think module concepts are still challenging for a lot of people, right? Especially um, smaller teams, right? And working in a group, sharing code—those are concepts that are tough. I mean, I'm a—I work for Invisalign now, and I'm very happy working there because the company is very automation focused as a team, as a company, and even as the team. So I'm used to thinking that way now, and I expect that from my coworkers. But most of the other places I worked, it was like, hey, guys, did you know you can get rid of those tasks? I can write this for you. And they're like, that's cool. I don't know how you did that. Can you do something else for me? They don't ever like learn to do it themselves. And you know, that's cool being the guy or the girl that's in charge. But it's probably better to work in a team where someone else can drive you and get you more knowledge. right? Then you, It's worse being the top of the food chain because no one pushes you. That's how I always uh, you know, uh, envision it. Yeah, Uh, The the mindset of
0: automation puts you out of a job instead of just firms your position and makes you more
2: valuable has always blown my mind. And hopefully that's starting to fade. But Well, I I think it's like um, the forest for the trees kind of mentality, right? Look at today versus the big picture. Um, My general experience with any IT group I've ever been in is there's never enough IT staff for all the work that has to be done right? I mean, that's just a fact of life, especially as IT grows and encompasses more things in a company. And the things that you automate are just getting rid of the things that usually cost you time. They never get rid of all the work, but people are afraid like, oh my God, what would I do if I didn't do this routine task all the time? And I always like to think like, automation is great for repetitive tasks, but we are really meant to solve complex issues that don't follow a pattern um, solving new challenges for tools that don't exist today. And then you can work on the automation, but automation is never going to deal with like, why is an email flowing today? Because part of the internet isn't functioning, you know, and that's a one-time situation, right? So it's, it's definitely fear, but I, I think the more that you automate, the more that you realize there is to automate. It's like an iceberg kind of thing, right? The tip of the iceberg yeah. is where you start, and then you, you get started, and you're like, oh, my God, there's so much work to do. I, right now, I have a a tool that I'm rolling out. We're building a, like a little self-service automation portal for our service desk. And we said in Teams, if you have some ideas for automation, throw it in this Team channel. And it started off with two or three ideas, and people started thinking. And now there's like... 35 ideas backlogged, waiting to be built. And I'm like, oh, I opened up a Pandora's box here. (laughs) You know, there's more opportunities than people realize when they put their mind to it.
1: So many more I found. So many more. Because like you said, not everyone has that automation mindset, uh, particularly non-IT people as well.
2: I think think you really have to learn how to be lazy. I I really want to be lazy. I do not want to click that button. I do not want to do that work. And that drives my ideas like, oh, how can I get rid of this task? Yeah, I think that's the the foundation
0: of my entire career. Is I hate doing all of this. Can I make it do itself?
2: Yeah, but you know, and I joke around about being lazy, but the truth is, it's not really. I I want to be lazy. It's I don't want to do this task. This task is not interesting usually. Or I've mastered this task. Right, creating users. There's no joy in that. Right, <laughs> especially when it's create 150 users. There's no joy in that. Nobody, nobody loves their career so much that like, I went in and I created users today, right? In the beginning, when you're starting out, you learn that, and you're like, "That's cool. I figured out how to do that." But after like your tenth user, you're like, "All right, I could not do this again for the rest of my life, and that would make me happy." So you know, those kinds of things, and it just, it's just—it's a progression. It shows people growing as they can, ma- as they can master topics, they move on to more challenging stuff. But I have never run out of challenges. that come my way because I've automated something. And if you work on a team where someone has ideas, someone is always going to ping you with an idea that you're like, oh God, how do I do that now? You know, Those kinds of things. But it's a good challenge in that regard.
1: Yeah. And I I think that it's so important and it can be so valuable to get other people on your team to to buy in to that or at least have one other person who's kind of with you there or at least able to support the tools. Um, But that is so cool.
2: But, you know, I also think that this is becoming a necessary skill set now. I don't really think that you can live as any sort of admin in any regard that functions in a cloud environment without having some knowledge of having to work at a command line. Um, You know, I, I spend my day mostly in Azure, and the Azure cloud definitely has a lot that you can do in the interface, in the GUI interface, but there's just times. Where the the GUI interface does not serve the purpose for what you need, and those situations were not the case ten years ago. You know, it was everything was GUI driven and you just do it right. But now, the volume of work that needs to come through just does not allow for someone to sit there and click buttons all day to next, next, next through wizards to build things.
1: Yeah, and I think we have the appropriate tooling now to not have to do that. Right, like Azure gives us the some tools to be able to automate a lot of things
2: yeah but you know there's also like you guys are younger than I am you came up probably with a code mentality it's a lot more ingrained into, well at least for me <laughs> I you know I remember working in environments and my my manager wrote VB script and I was like that guy's a genius I don't know what that says I cannot do that I don't think that's the case now with like powershell it's an understandable language at least it's readable in English for most cases but um i certainly did not grow up with the command line and so it was definitely a challenge for me to push myself to learn um but i we talked to guys on my on on the user group that just they're young and they have so much knowledge and they have so much ability to write code in multiple languages i've never been able to achieve that level ever and i don't i don't think i ever will i'm i'm fine with that
1: i don't think it's helpful to have everybody at that level though i think that it can like if you have a team of all people at that level, you're going to open yourself up to like not being flexible for people of a lower level in the future. It just yeah. I feel like it can introduce some issues.
2: Yeah, uh, I mean, well, and then there's this variety too. Like um, someone who's working at Amazon probably has a much higher lo- requirement to be able to automate code than someone who's an admin at a 150 user company and maybe be wearing multiple hats, whether it be right. AD, desktop, server, network. SQL, you know, O365, right? They may have some bag of tricks of like some go-to scripts they use for things, but that might not be their everyday way of working. So you're definitely right about that.
1: And I can speak for myself. I didn't have that like command line. Like I took one C-sharp course in college and um, I didn't soak anything in. I just solved each question. Like didn't really internalize it until I started using PowerShell and actually you know, solved a problem that required multiple lines and then saved it as a script. Like that's going through that process and learning PowerShell and doing all that helped rewire the way I think about things and kind of gives me that automation perspective that you're talking about.
2: Yeah, Yeah, definitely it's definitely a learned mentality. Like I took uh, Java in college and I was like, "I, I don't know what I'm doing, but it taught me just simple concepts like, initiating variables and garbage collection and things that you don't even think about, right? That maybe some things are taken for granted in PowerShell, but traditional languages you have to create variables, carve them out ahead of time, do things like garbage collection, make sure your code is efficient, looping and all that stuff. I, looking back now, I'm glad I did it so that I had some exposure to it, but at the time, oh, I was not not very good at Java. So on on my
0: PowerShell I just uh I have a way smarter brother than me and he told me to learn PowerShell if I want to stand out and I didn't know what it was and I was using it without understanding it for 4 years where I could, I could make it do what I wanted but I didn't even understand that it was object oriented mm-hmm. or what or or the value of that until 4 or 5 years after I started I just had it's just uh, a guy that I respect told me to try it out. So I started using it without actually understanding it for a long time. And eventually I came around and decided I better learn a bit more about it. But it's been lucky for me.
2: I guess I recommend everyone have a smarter brother. <laughs> well, you bring up an interesting point, though, because like if you went and you learned C Sharp right now with .NET, you really need to understand pro- programming concepts and the order of operations of how things work PowerShell is not really like that. Like the person who's never used PowerShell can go and do, you know, get service and get stuff back and not really understand what the hell is happening. But three years down the road, they can be like, oh, that's an object. That object has more properties, and I can go get those properties and I can call other stuff and I could pass that data to other things. So it's really flexible and it's easy to get started. But it's pretty limitless in its potential. And it's interesting if you see like on, um, on some forums now, like PowerShell is always a language that comes up that's being used in shops. It's not certainly not at the level of JavaScript or Python or C Sharp or any of those, but it's always on the list. And I think it grows more and more as adoption grows and people realize how easy it is to get data in and out. And being that it works with .NET really helps it a lot as well.
1: I love the cross-platform nature of it as well. Um, To go back to something you said earlier, you mentioned the super technical person. Um, And I also think that we kind of touched on a lot of things that require soft skills. Uh, A lot of things like where soft skills would be very important to have on a team like this, where it comes from, like whether that be collaboration, getting other people to work on things, whether that be communicating to get the people who are consuming your tools to actually use them, you know, if you have only a team of like that super elite coder who is kind of wired a specific way or whatever, um, a lot of times you will not have a lot of that other stuff. So it is, I, I for me at least, I like to cling on to the fact that like I do not have to be an amazing top-tier uh, coder to be valuable to a team. Like I can just be someone who understands PowerShell and does some stuff and still add great value.
2: Yeah, so, but there's, there's some assumptions there that... Um... I wouldn't say I don't agree with but like for example when I have a user group meeting and let's say we have 30 people that show up okay there are going to be people that sit there and say I'm not a top tier coder I'm I'm a hack I'm just barely getting by but they've already missed the point that if you went to a user group you usually a top-tier person in your organization because you want to explore that skill, you're trying to learn more, right? Um, There's that desire. And so I think all of us sort of downplay our skills and our values because we're all comparing ourselves to people that we admire in the community or see around us. But And that's probably natural. But at some point, you do need to take stake Take stock of where you are and what you've accomplished. Like, you know, I just I just looked last night. My son, I have a son that's thirteen year old, uh, thirteen, and the son is about to be ten, and they're kind of interested in what I do and stuff like that. And so I have a website, and I was just looking around yesterday. In two thousand eighteen, I had twelve thousand hits. Two thousand twenty one, I had one hundred eighteen thousand hits. But it doesn't feel any different than two thousand eighteen. It's just like write an article. Hopefully, this is useful to someone, and. It's something that someone's wants, wants to read, but you grow as, as you go, and it's hard for people to take stock where they are, stop and look back and kind of appreciate where they've come, right? You just keep looking forward and keep, you associate with people and you compare yourself to the people you associate. And I guess in a long way, I'm saying you just don't realize the skills that you've accrued and the value that you already have.
1: Definitely. And I think I can definitely kind of understand what you're saying. Cause I don't really know what it's like to not want to look into PowerShell more or to just be okay with like manually doing something every day when I know there's a better way, or, you know, maybe I need to talk to some people that are at that point of their career. Cause I think I've probably been there before, before I kind of saw any value or had any hope in automation. Um,
2: I was talking with uh, Fernando Tomlinson. mm. Um, He's uh, a very big in the security side and people know him in the PowerShell world now, but, you know, he had spoke a user group and he said, you know, this field is just not the kind of field to be in. If you're not going to embrace continuing education, it's just not something you're going to learn. And like we were saying earlier, okay, I got everything I need to do. And maybe this is an unfair comparison, but I feel like an accountant learns their craft and probably can go pretty far with their craft with just keeping up on that the rules changes from year to year, they're not probably learning fundamental accounting principles different every year. Whereas in the IT industry, you know, the way that you attack the problem three years ago may not even exist anymore. Right. SANS, for example, who has a big block of storage on-prem with hundreds of thousands of discs. Right. But six years ago, SANS and NAS were very popular in organizations, not to say that they aren't today, but there's a lot of options. And when you consider those options, you have to think of different challenges that comes with those options. So it it's just an industry where you have to invest time on a regular basis. And the more that you get comfortable with re- investing the time on a regular basis, it doesn't feel like you're investing time.
1: Right. <laughs> you you make it part of your schedule kind of thing. You make it yeah. just part of how you how you operate. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like to think about my ability to learn as its own skill. Like I try to get better at that because like you said, it's going to be a constant in my career forever. So figuring out how I learn best, what methods work best for me, that kind of thing um, is pretty important and similar, like as you're solving problems for yourself, documenting them making it so it's easier in the future, making sure that that's just like a comfortable process. Once that thing can kind of happen, you're just going and you're just, like you said, you're building brick after brick. You're building this huge thing, just going about life, just doing what you were kind
2: of already doing, just slightly
1: tweaking the system.
2: But you did say the one word there that it just gives me the shivers documenting. Oh man, I was just on a call the other day and I'm like, why didn't I write down how I fixed this problem? Oh so that's yeah. always always a challenge.
1: There's always improvements that can be made to the system, yeah. but it doesn't mean that you don't have a a good system that you're working with. And there can be things that can be tweaked, but but nothing's perfect.
0: Yeah, That's just so going one to thing- show that. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. Good. Sure, you know, go. the, the power of the of this PowerShell community is documentation is something that I think most people are terrible at. And now there's modules out there in PowerShell that will help you document yeah. your code for you. Which it's just another thing no one likes it. PowerShell will help you do it for you.
2: Yeah, well, you we, we kind of just led to where I was going to go a little bit, which was like, I feel like I have a skill set that I can take advantage of, but there's a proponent that I wish more people would take advantage of, which is this community participation participation, which you know we all do, but trying to get your coworkers to participate sometimes, they don't see the value. And and the way I can sum that up is I first of all have met a lot of people through community participation that have enabled me to get more opportunities, but more so I have discovered so many tools available that I just did not know exists that I bring back to work that ultimately make me look like a better employee. How did you find the import Excel module? Jesus Christ. Like I could not function without that module now. Right. And you bring that to work and they're like, I don't know. He's just a wizard. I don't know how he makes these Excel spreadsheets. You know. So that that's the one thing I always try to preach to people is regardless of skill set, just try to participate in something community based, just through assimilation. You'll pick up knowledge and be exposed to things that are happening at maybe organizations similar to yourself that just will open up opportunities that you never considered.
1: Yeah. And I think a great starting point, if, if people are hesitant of spending like out of work hours on this kind of thing, um, I think that inter, like interacting with the community, the PowerShell forums, the Discord, all that kind of stuff during work hours is becoming more and more of the norm because we are all working on really complex problems mm-hmm. and you can't always only solve this by yourself. You need to sometimes ask if other people have approached this problem and you can save yourself and your company a ton of time by tapping into these community resources. And in doing so, you also kind of open up yourself to be contributing because by asking a question and getting an answer, you are having a question answered for other people
2: potentially. Mm -hmm. Well, I I wrote an article, 10 ways you could participate in the community a couple of years ago. And I think, most people think that, oh man, doing community work means I have to like write a blog, do videos, speak. And, and that is certainly not the case. I mean, the easiest thing to do, participate in the community, is just say thank you for something that you found online so that the person who wrote it has the desire to keep participating, right? Or just respond and say, this solved an issue for me, right? Just because the people that are doing the community work, are largely doing it on their own time for zero income, just to share. just to, So just a simple like, hey, man, that article you wrote or that tool you showed, man, that really helped me a lot. That's just enough motivation to keep people going. That's as simple as it is to participate in the community. And obviously, it can go from there. But
1: I think that validating people's work is fantastic. And yeah. validating people in general is great, regardless of the domain. And it has super high returns on investment. And it's pretty easy. And I, I think that that type of thing will make
2: such a better uh, environment for everyone. And that's kind of the that's so, sort of the spirit of the PowerShell Summit that's coming up, at the end of April here, which uh, we'll be participating in. Um, depending who's listening to this and at the time, would love to encourage people to come. There's so much value you get from a summit like that. That it's it's not like an ignite. It's, it's going to be three, four hundred people tops. And there's a lot of time spent at the summit giving people a chance to just jive with other people and talk about stuff. And, you know, you end up coming away with more things that you think you could at at an event like that, just from hanging out with similar minded folks for three or four days.
0: And if you're just getting started, they also have the on-ramp where they'll teach you the basics and still at lunch and all the breaks, you get to talk to all of the people whose articles you're reading. So So I'm going to be uh, getting started. Yeah.
2: I'm I'm going to be participating in the on ramp this year, just a little bit. Uh, Jeff Hicks is doing that, but uh, he asked me to just come and give a little chat about participating in the community, oddly enough. So um, I was thinking about that this morning. I'm like, I really don't know what I'm going to say, but I'll figure that out soon. (laughs) And I'll be working behind the scenes, chasing people like Andrew when he's presenting to say five minutes left, wrap it up, make sure you get started on time. But uh, it's, it's a, it's a really great event. That's, for me, I haven't been to tons and tons of events in my career, but it's the most fun and closest to what I do that I've got the most value out of. It's not like a trade show where you're just going and looking at products.
1: Yeah, you take away more than just technical things by the end of yeah. the for sure. You definitely will take away a ton of technical things, but really the most impactful stuff is not the technical. It's the what makes it all fit together.
2: At the very least, you may come away with some email or Twitter handles of someone you could call in a pinch when something doesn't work. Right. So there's that. But uh, I think just like you said, you'd be exposed to a bunch of ideas and concepts that you probably never considered, or some guy doing things with tools that you're like, I didn't even consider using this for that. Like, um, there's always a guy that does a ton of stuff using PowerShell to manage IoT devices. Uh, I forget his last name is Daniel, and he's uh, in uh, Latin America. Yes. Really does great stuff.
1: It's a bunch of Raspberry Pi stuff. Yes, I can't yeah, remember his exactly. name either right now.
2: Yeah, I have a friend who um, is a, supposedly there's a PowerShell module that you can use to interface with your Tesla. So, I mean, there's all kinds of crazy stuff there. <laughs> I don't know
0: if I would be want to mess with the system that drives for me if I'm not paying attention not that uh, I would ever put on auto drive and not pay attention well
2: gets <laughs> are always you know just pulling some information right yeah It'd be cool to just see some information I don't know that I yeah. want to do sets but yeah I yeah on only I like that
0: yeah <laughs> all right well uh, we, we talked about a few things like removing aspects that you don't like documentation be one of them another part is and I I don't think I'm alone in this, is getting into IT was to not have to communicate, but people are still going to hit you up. So we, I think we want to talk about uh, chatbots, where hopefully we can remove a lot of our need for interaction with people that aren't in the PowerShell community. We really want to isolate like a cult, right? Yeah,
1: definitely. Um, yeah, when it comes to chatbots in the PowerShell space, there is one that takes the cake, uh, and that is PoshBot, which is... PowerShell-based chatbot, it supports different backends, so you can use it with Slack, Teams, et cetera. Yeah, and that and was created
0: by Brandon Owen. Brandon
1: Owen, yeah. Dev yeah. Black cool Ops, module. I believe. Yeah. Oh yeah, he has a lot of great modules.
2: Yeah, but, yeah so I think uh, bots are one of those tools that is probably hard to envision a usage till you see it in use, right? And then you see the simple things that it can eliminate for people or the ability for people to get information easily. A hundred percent, and just
1: a lot of times whenever I've written PowerShell tools, modules or whatever, and given them to other people on my team, it's hard to remember to import a module in the name of the command if you're not already using that kind of thing all the time. But with a chat bot, you're running commands in a shared channel often. So when mm-hmm. you're running commands, everyone else on your team can see what you're running, they can copy and paste what you ran, and they can do it themselves. It's self-documenting to an extent.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's um, pretty cool. i I find I find that writing tools is a challenge for some people, but sharing tools is very hard because you need to have environments set up to run these tools, and web interfaces, and chat bots, and things like that just break down the barrier to entry so much. Um, it's it's nearly impossible to circulate tools in a company and make sure all the machines are up to snuff and people understand how to use these for command line interfaces. It's just not a comfortable thing for a lot of people.
1: Completely agree. Um, But that being said, Poshbot can understandably be a bit daunting depending on where you are in your journey. And uh, if you're not ready for that, there are some smaller entry points into chat ops uh, is what we call it. And One of those, which will be our tip of the week, is using webhooks. And webhooks are HTTP requests that are triggered by your script or application, and they just push info into another application. And that other application in this context would be Slack or Teams or whatever. So if you can envision this in your mind, you have a script, uh, it does something, and it runs somewhere. And that generates output that nobody really sees. But if you use a webhook, you can add a line of PowerShell at the end of your script that will output whatever the um, script did to a shared channel um, where you can monitor your automation. You can see if things went wrong, provides visibility, add some context to your coworkers. It's kind of like an easy win. If you already have scripts that are running, you can just add a line at the end to, boom, send some output to a webhook.
2: And yeah, it's, a, it's like a modern version of send mail, right? Yep. Everything used to be send an email alert, right? And then you have 5,000 email alerts in your queue, right? Now, as tools get better and the environments get richer, you have, like you said, web, web services, Teams, Slack, Discord, all these different services that you use could simply be SMS, lots of things.
1: Completely agree. And as someone who's made a lot of tools, I like to think of the experience of the people who are using the tools. And when you are able to think about things like that and really kind of make sure that you're giving those people the context that they need, you're empowering them to run the commands, all that kind of thing, you get, um, I found, a lot higher return on your tool making.
0: Agreed. So, and I can verify, this isn't just uh, words from Andrew. When he started at PDQ, the first thing he did was started with the chat ops and and adding that kind of communication almost instantly.
1: Yeah, I've I've written some small commands. I won't get into the exact details of what it does, but I have a simple command that just does some base 64 decoding. And that's kind of annoying to just like get out of whatever chat app you're using, do it somewhere else, come back. Just having a small thing like that in a chat bot, I'm in my chat all day anyways. I don't have to leave it. I can, you know, I can give that same tool to people who have never ran PowerShell in their life. And they can run a simple command that does some simple PowerShell that solves mm-hmm. a huge problem for them without having to get development or anything like that involved. Right. You, you can really, it's I love uh Poshbot, chatbots, chat ops. Um, definitely recommend looking into it further.
2: What what kind of uptake have you had with that since starting a PDQ with that?
1: A pretty solid amount. Um, I get a lot of good feedback on it, and the usage is pretty high whenever I run the git command history. Um Ooh. Yeah, it's been pretty cool. Uh, I like it because it's easy to add other commands to it and stuff like that. And it's nice because you can, if you have a team that already writes a little bit of PowerShell with like one little training, you can teach them how to start developing stuff for PoshBot because PoshBot just takes PowerShell modules. So -hmm. if you already have those, you already have really all you need to put them into PoshBot uh, more than likely. So very fun stuff.
2: So Poshbot will run and give an interface for people. So where, where do they see that interface? They see it in whatever tool they want to use?
1: So if you're in Teams, there'll be a person named Poshbot, if you name it that. Cool. Um, and you just chat with that person, and that person can be in channels. or that I, It's an application, it's a chatbot. But that mm-hmm. chatbot can be in channels, and whenever you say a command, it will run based on the command and the parameters that you provide it. And it can do that in a DM, or it can do that in a shared channel. I recommend doing a lot of things in a shared channel because you want other people to be using your commands and stuff. Mm -hmm. And you want to add that context because really it's like a shared command line interface. When you're typing chatbot commands into a shared channel, it's not like if each of us, if we were troubleshooting a problem right now, we'd each have PowerShell open on our individual screens. When I run a command, you guys can't see the output. Same thing, vice versa. If you're dealing with something with, with chatbot, you, everyone can see it in the channel and it really makes it a lot easier. There's a lot less verbal communication that needs to take place if we're all mm-hmm. looking at the same thing. Um, and I think that for our blog of the week, we have a blog from PS Cookie Monster that covers um, a lot of great stuff about Poshbot.
2: Warren writes, writes tons of great stuff. He's a really knowledgeable guy and easily one of the most likable guys in the PowerShell community. Um, it's just almost impossible not to get along with Warren. He's a nice guy. My first year at Summit, if it weren't for Warren being
1: so kind and welcoming and open to new people talking and really making sure like, hey, if this is your first time talking, totally fine. We support that. And uh, because of that, I did one of those lightning talks. Um, and just goes to show you, man, that I love, I love that guy. He's so kind, so encouraging to the community. He does so much and has a lot of really great reference blogs that I continually go back to.
2: I, I don't know why I find lightning demos more intimidating than a full presentation. I just like having to have some, first of all, I think of like lightning demos. It's gotta be something like cool and interesting, right? Not the sort of beginner stuff and trying to find something that's like six minute. Wow. Factor to me is harder than doing 45 minutes and being, you know, like all encompassing. But so I always, I always stay away from the lightning demos, but.
1: Well, Hey, lightning demo or, or a full sized uh, conference talk, your choice.
2: Yeah. I I stay away from all of it. (laughs) And You know what? So look, Let's let's mention that for a second. That's completely fine, too. Not everybody has to be a speaker. Not everybody has to be uh, a presenter, a blog writer. It's okay to be a consumer of data. All we're saying is, is that we all have stuff we can share. And if you are so willing to do so, you will probably get more value out of that than you realize, right? But that doesn't mean that to be a community member, you need to be doing... 19,000 things a year and putting yourself up on a stage in front of people. If that's not your speed, that's completely okay. Well, I've
0: learned a secret to uh, surviving doing anything public, like writing a blog or shooting a video and that's deny you ever did it and never watch or read anything you've done. <laughs> it's done wonders
2: for me. As, as he sits here on a video and podcast.
0: <laughs> I, and I will never listen to this. I think we're doing a great job. I, I like the the podcast, but I won't ever listen to myself.
2: Uh, I will listen to this probably (laughs) 1,500 times and nitpick on everything I did.
1: (laughs) Well, you're going to nitpick on me too then, because I'm pretty sure I did a couple of uh, (laughs) nitpicky things. But I guess that's the beauty of it, right? No matter what you do, it's never going to be perfect. And that's totally fine. Embrace the, don't aim for perfection. Uh, Well, I guess if that's the way you're wired, go for it. But for me, I find myself, it doesn't work well if I aim for perfection. Just aim for what I'm capable of right now. And maybe one day that'll be more, but that doesn't have
0: to be more. I've, yeah, I've never I, had bad feedback from the community, anything I put out there. If, if I hear anything, either it's very supportive or they have a suggestion on something that I could change, but it's never been a negative feedback that I've gotten.
2: Well, I will say <laughs> I've definitely had people that have commented and said stuff, and I'm like, all right. This, there's always a few, let's let's call them bad apples, right? Um, I'd like to think their intentions are good. It's just presentation doesn't always come up to snuff. But for the most part, I think the, one of the great things about the PowerShell community, as we were talking about earlier, is people want to see you succeed. And people are appreciative of the things that you produce. And if you're newer to the community, as soon as you get around some other members of the community, you see it's a pretty easy community to hang out with and spend some time with and feel like you'd be a part of something.
0: Yeah, Summit was life changing for me. I think 2018 was the first one for all of us. Mm-hmm. And that's an experience that it changed the way I approached my career. It's it was pretty awesome.
2: Yeah, it'd be good to be back in person this year. Virtual is fun only so much. <laughs>
1: yeah. I can't wait to see everybody again.
0: It's gonna be awesome. That's uh end of April. I hope yep. hopefully we see yep. a lot, lot of soon. people. Yep. Coming up soon. I want to to say thanks for spending time with us on the podcast. It was great to talk to you. Uh, We see you everywhere in the community, so it's kind of (laughs) awesome to get uh, one-on-one time. Now I'm feeling special.
2: Well, first of all, thanks for having me. It's fun to chat, and I appreciate the time, and I'm glad people sort of enjoy what I do. I just try to keep producing stuff. And um, like I said, opportunities come up, and I am pretty bad at saying no. So I keep opening myself up to new opportunities and I would encourage people to do the same thing. There's a lot of things that you can accomplish that way. And um, thank you for having me today. It's been a blast. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if if you are watching this,
0: please five stars on Apple helps us out, puts us on top, makes it more people can see PowerShell. Uh, if you have any questions for us, whether you want us to take a look at some code, break break it down a little bit or just general questions on anything you want to know about the community please email us at powershell at pdq.com and uh hopefully hopefully we'll uh, see you next time thanks everybody thanks for listening to the powershell podcast with your hosts jordan hammond and andrew claw they are cunning capable agile flexible they know what they're doing the powershell podcast is a production of pdq.com